welcome to Jelly, the podcast where we talk about Jesus, life, and entertainment. I'm Genevieve Rose, and I have another episode in the David series for you. Last week, I believe, was the backstory on how I knew this person, how we met. If you're interested, go ahead and listen to that. It's probably the best story in all of the stories that involve David. Don't worry, it's not his real name. I'm using aliases to protect the innocent as well as the guilty. Today will be another life episode, my life in dating, more specifically my failures that are so tragic, they're comedic. So you're welcome. I'm thrilled you're here. I'm thrilled that I get to be the barricade between you and your innermost thoughts so you don't have to deal with your own problems. Feel free to just sit down, relax, and listen to mine. Laugh if you please. I am rock and roll the first date. We left off, I believe, with me realizing it's up to me to make the first move. Reason being, I had already called him a predator of the sexual nature because I got offended when he decided to hit on me. Go back and listen to that backstory episode. Yes, I did call him a sexual predator and it changed the tone of the relationship for a little bit. Fast forward, things smooth out. We say apologies, he accepts. Apparently it doesn't bother him that much to be called a sexual predator. Turns out, even though he's not my type physically really at all, I think he's cute and we actually have a good time, which was let the record reflect one and only time, which is what I thought would be the time that we would have with our first date. You would think it would be a pattern The momentum would carry over, the times would get better. Do you remember the OJ day? That's what we're calling it. That spark moment, that fun moment, that feeling that people talk about feeling when they're with people that give them feelings. I don't know what that's about. What do I know about that? I thought that's what it would be, those good feelings on the first date. It's going to be official. So I ask him out. I know he won't ask me out for many reasons. He's moved slow. He's indecisive. Now he's probably terrified to even remotely hit on me. So I do it. That's fine. I'm bold. I don't mind. Here's what he planned. He wanted to go get coffee, go to a lake, and then get takeout. Sure. Fine. Easy enough. Fair first date. Of course, I Google Earth the shit out of that lake location. We're going on a first date. I look it up, it's miles long, miles wide. I'm not going on a date or a first date or any kind of a date with anyone to that location. There's too many places to dump a body. Not that he would dump a body or I would dump his. I'm just saying if you had to discard a body, a large body of water would be ideal because DNA and degradation and hard to find. Anyway, I go into this isolated location thanks but no thanks i realized you like nature but my hobby is true crime i'm gonna get out of that part i don't know how yet i'll figure it out i agree to the other things which are coffee and food which pretty much anybody could bribe me with honestly we go get coffee we go to his place not my place that's fine this is your date david you planned it i'm not gonna mess it up because i'm already changing the lake thing because i don't want to be murdered we go there we meet there separately He pays for coffee, I think I got tea. The conversation is good, it's easy. He looks cute, he's got those eyes, those piercing blue, green, whatever they are, eyes. I can tell he's trimmed his goatee. How do I describe his facial hair? Cause he didn't have a beard and a beard is what I like. And it's not a full goatee, if that's even a thing. It vaguely reminded me of Scar from The Lion King, which is odd, but I was into it. 
So he had a mustache and he had a full mustache. And then he had like a landing strip. And that was fine. I liked that part. But I didn't like the scraggly things hanging off his chin. Whatever. It's not my face. I just look at the eyes. Those are my favorite. Conversation's pretty good. He did make a lot of movie references that I couldn't keep up with because I'd never seen them and or didn't care about them. So that was kind of lame. But whatever. First date, right? Doesn't matter. So now we leave the coffee place. He paid for drinks again. We got some to go. Now we're going to be driving together in his car. And the first thought I had was, I don't know if any of you guys read this story voluntarily or because it was part of your curriculum and the first time you went to college before you failed out and then it wasn't even part of the second time you went to college and you haven't even read it in the third time you went to college like me. But I definitely read it before in my first attempt at college in an English class and it was called... Where are you going? Where have you been? And I could be wrong about this, but I think it's by Joyce Carol Oates. It's based on a real crime or crimes that happened. The characters, I think, were fictitious. It's about this guy who goes by Arnold Friend, and the short of it is he abducts and murders women. So on my first date with David, this is what I think of when I see the car because it resembles the car from that story. We're off to a wonderful start, right? Wonderful. As we're getting in the vehicle, I make note of the make and model and, of course, the license plate. I plan on texting that information to multiple people, not because I'm paranoid, just in case. You never know. What if we get in a car accident? There's multiple reasons. I'm not only preparing for a Bundy-esque attack here. I'm just being aware. It works out because he needs me to man directions. Quite honestly, doesn't seem to know where he's going. So the GPS becomes a necessity. And this concerns me because A, I thought men were good at directions. B, I'm terrible at directions. So now we're two people in a pair that are equally bad at directions. How are we gonna get anywhere? C, it's really concerning because both he and I have grown up in the same area our entire lives. So how do we both not know where we're going? Just a little concerning. I'm looking it up on the GPS, which she's not totally listening to, which I also find confusing. Why'd you ask me to look it up if you're just going to doubt it anyway? Doesn't matter. I use it to my advantage. I text the plate number to a bunch of people. They all know where I'm at. Should anything go awry, knock on wood. I don't think it will. You never know. I also have weapons on me just in case. All legal, you guys, all legal. Something interesting happens before we even get to the lake. And it involves the fact that he doesn't really know directions. So we get a little lost in both of our hometowns, basically, which is weird in and of itself. And then this is a comment that stood out to me. Got lost around some big houses, nice houses, houses that look like mansions. And David sees these big, expansive properties and makes a noise of disgust and just makes a derogatory comment about wealthy people. And I was like, huh, he doesn't really express ever like any kind of emotion. He's not very talkative. But then he sees a nice big house and he doesn't like it. That's weird. I thought maybe it was motivated by jealousy or something. And I was like, huh, a healthier approach would be like, I'm going to have property like that one day or, you know, 
Maybe I'll buy a great big house. Why are you so instantly disgusted? I thought that was strange. You notice these things, guys. You notice these things before you even really get to know someone because you're not used to them and you see all these things that they're about beforehand before you get all up in your feelings about that person. So it makes for, I guess you could say, objective evaluation. Just the things that stand out to you up front initially, I feel like those things ring true, whatever they are. So that comment about money concerned me a little bit. I just didn't think that was a healthy attitude to have toward money. I feel like I would respond the same way if he seemed greedy and or too money focused. It's just, there wasn't balance there. I didn't feel like that was a healthy approach. We finally get to the lake. It's a different lake. I asked him if we could move it to a more populated lake with witnesses and more than one entrance and exit. He doesn't care. Of course, I don't phrase it that way. He just goes to the lake. So we're either gonna just sit there and look at it or walk around, but it's drizzling, which I'm thankful for, so we don't have to get out of the car. We could just drink our tea and coffee and talk in the parking lot. There's people there even, even though the weather's bad, there's also a police car in the parking lot. At one point I pointed it out and his response was, oh, it's fine. Like, okay, are you on parole? I would know if you were, cause I looked you up. It was just kind of a, I don't know, was he joking? I don't know. So out of all the empty spots to park in this lot that was basically 98% open, he picks the spot that leaves the porta potty in my line of sight. So I can see most of the lake, but all of this porta potty. I don't know why I don't just say, hey man, pick a spot that doesn't involve me looking at a literal shit house. Uh, I know this is your date, but come on now. I don't know. I don't want to appear bossy or controlling or whatever you want to call that. So I just sit there with my tea and a porta potty and we talk a little bit but there's a lot of silence in between i don't want to be too abrasive and i'm pretty much the only one talking anyway so i just kind of ride it out but it goes for a little too long eventually we decide to go get pizza and again i had to help with directions which is especially weird because the pizza place was right down the strip mall from where we had met for coffee so he and i had both been there that day and he still didn't know offhand how to get back there, which as I'm saying it out loud, really makes me want to get better at directions. He says, I know directions, just not roads. I said, the roads are part of the directions, David. We finally get to the pizza place, sitting outside there, talking off and on for 15 minutes, not really about anything spectacular. There's too many silences. Silence doesn't bother me, but repetitive silence when you don't really know a person, not my favorite. When we did talk, he told me this, another comment that stood out to me. He started saying that the night before, he had a panic attack because he couldn't make rent. And I was like, huh, another issue involving money, a panic attack. So then I'm sitting there in the passenger seat trying to figure out if this is an exaggeration or if he seriously had a panic attack. I'm trying to figure out if he has issues with anxiety or if he's just labeling a, a panic attack the same way people say they have OCD when really they just value organization. I'm not sure. This doesn't really make me feel confident though. No judgment, I'm just evaluating where this person's at. I'm just gonna have to mentally prepare for that. I didn't see that coming. 
Is this something that happens often? I'm kind of asking vague questions about it. He insists he's fine now and he was able to make rent and something about him being late for our date because he had to get gas money or something or other. Now I kind of feel bad that he was struggling with rent the night before and he's paying for a date now. So I think I make a comment like, should we not have gone out? Should we have pushed it back? I feel weird that he voiced all of that. I don't know, it's not something I would talk to somebody on a first date about. Even though we had a friendship background still, you would just think people that want to impress people behave a little differently. This is all happening when we were just sitting in the parking lot, front and center, because I brought my handicap placard because like the only benefit of having a disability is great parking. So we're sitting in front of the doors that aren't being opened, even though we're seeing employees go in the side door. So people are showing up for work. What's happening? Why isn't the front door opening? We talk about it for a little bit. Finally, David gets out of the car, goes up to the front door, can't open it, just comes back in the car, and it's like, oh well. So I call the number because I can tell that's the extent of his effort to figure out this problem. Eventually, we're like 30 minutes in to just waiting and kind of talking about him being late and having panic attacks because he's not really asking me anything other than what's your real name and what do you do again? This is somebody I've talked to for two years. You would think there would be other questions in there or follow-up details, something, whatever. I call the pizza place. They're like, oh yeah, we're not doing dining today. And I'm like, oh yeah. Maybe put out a sign because we're freaking starving and we'd been out here for a while. We go to Panera. Bought me a salad. It was probably the best thing I had on that date. My favorite part. It was a Greek salad. It was awesome. There was chicken in it. After that, I decide we've spent enough time together. I could have let it linger, but I had work to do. So I said, great, can you take me back to my car? So he does. I had left my car at the place where we met for coffee, which wasn't far, and he does that. And I was like, you know what? It was okay. But I feel so, so, so much better when I get in my own car, in my own space, blast my own music, and I can drive home and be in the driver's seat again, literally and figuratively, and just relax. I feel like I can be me. Which should have told me, hey, you weren't yourself around him but very easily you could chalk that up to nerves because it's a first date, right, you guys? Well, this is a continued feeling, as you'll see if you listen to the multiple David stories on here. I could never really be myself around him, and the first couple of times, I just thought it was nerves that would dissipate. Regardless, by the time I got home, I was like, I don't wanna see him again. There's a reason we've talked for years and never dated, we've had morals and values in common this whole time. I'm not into him. I'm not attracted to him. He's super nice. We just don't click and that's fine. I didn't feel comfortable pretty much the whole time. Also, he doesn't even know where he's going, which doesn't inspire confidence. I tell everybody that they think he's sweet and he was probably just nervous and I should give him another chance and maybe a third chance because people get nervous. I wasn't going to, I was gonna trust my gut because I'm rarely ever wrong. And then my cousin told me a bit of advice that resonated with me because 
I'm studying screenwriting and creative writing. That's what I'm getting my master's in. And he said, well, it could be bad or it could be good. Usually it's not that great if you don't have the spark on the first date. What is that spark? What does that mean when people say that? I feel like it's a myth, like the fountain of youth or something. Did we just make this up? Spark. So he says, usually if it's not there initially, it won't show up. However, and this is the part that got me. He said it could be like your current favorite show that you hated at first because you didn't get the vibe. So I'm thinking The Office because the first season is massively different than the rest of the show. As most people know, if you don't, watch it, give it time. This was not the case for David. He was not this, quote, show that I had to get to know to love. What you saw is what you got, and it, it wasn't worth watching. However, at that time, I was like, ooh, that's a good bit of advice. That just may have convinced me. But it was my tattoo artist who really kind of, what he said resonated with me most because I was getting tattooed by him. I don't even remember what it was. Oh my gosh, that tells you I have way too many tattoos if I can't even remember my last one. Hmm, skull cherries? I think I got some skull cherries on my arm. Oh, I got like three little ones. They were just gap fillers to finish my sleeve. Skull cherries, a turtle, a little really cute turtle. I should name him. And there was one other one in there. Let me pull up my sleeve and see if I can find it. My favorite year on my wrist there. So he's tattooing me and I'm talking to him. I'm telling him I'm kind of seeing this guy. I don't know how I feel about it. He then tells me, oh, my girl, the one that he's been dating for like years and years now, he said the first time, the first couple times they hung out, he got rip-roaring drunk. And then he realized he was doing that because he was nervous and if he doesn't knock it off, she's gonna think he's an alcoholic, so he better get it together, which he did and they're still together and I thought that was sweet. So I'm like, fine, I'll give David another.